And then I realized that the words, if anyone should ever write my life story, for whatever reason, they, they might see. And I was thinking, wow, he'll be there between the lines. The lines of pain and glory. Listen to the word. Jesus is the best thing that ever happened to me. Dun, 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 This sculpted narrative goes out to all the giants upon whose shoulders I stand. If I can see further, it is only because of their storied vision. Let me begin with Richard Feynman. Richard Feynman was What's up? It's Trev FM here again. Spread Love Free Market, the podcast. I'm back from New York City. Glad to be back home. But oh, what a trip. I had such a great time. I met so many friends, went to my old neighborhood, went to church, had some revelations, gave away free stuff, got mobbed by people who were in need, and here I am. I am back. This episode is going to be a recap of my trip to New York City uh, with the focus on a particular day, the weekend, and a church that we attended Bushwick's Restoration Worship Temple. And um, this entire trip has been transformative, nothing short of transformative. And I'll go over briefly what the journey that took me to the transformation that I received in Brooklyn, as well as what happened in Brooklyn. But the particular focus, as I said, is going to be on our weekend at the Restoration Worship Temple and how it, how it incorporates into what we're doing with Spread Love Free Market. Uh, but before we get into that, um, let's do uh, some of the announcements. The Book of Free Things, the Book of Free Things, where you can support your neighbors with in-store free shopping, in-store items, food, clothing, other great goods, so head on over to the Book of Free Things. Support us if you can at Open Collective. You can find the link, scan the code, or go to spreadlovefreemarket.com. The Book of Free Things. FYA.nyc. Local shops only, grocery deliveries. Head on over to spreadlovefreemarket.com or scan the code, and you can place your order for a local shops only grocery delivery. FYA.NYC, the best luggage storage in New York City. Scan the code if you are visiting after you hear these wonderful stories of what New York City, the hidden gems of New York City, and you want to come and have somebody hold your bag as you check it out on your first or your last day before you check in. Head on over to FYA.NYC, book your storage or pickup, and they'll drop the bags, your bags, off at your stay. So that's FYA.NYC, the best luggage storage in New York City. All right, so uh, let's get into this trip. Uh, New York City recap uh, titled Antiques on Bushwick. But I think we have to rewind a bunch um, and um, I go back to a couple of podcasts. You probably heard if you listened to the last few episodes and maybe even going back further about the spiritual journey that I am on and it's a journey that started with the collective you see I have their hat right here actually producing and preparing for the show with Jesse and Dolmore as I was speaking to Jesse Jesse had told me about his own spiritual journey and he shared with me a journey that he had in a church that he found in Bushwick after uh, a few attempts to get into some service somewhere he ended up 
at uh, Bushwick's Restoration Worship Temple with Pastor Owen Loftman. And as he was telling me the story, with me being on my own spiritual journey, I asked Jesse, is it okay if I come to church with you when I come up to New York? And as we uh, launched this activist lounge in New York, is it okay if the morning of the Sunday that I come to church with you? And he said, yeah, sure. He was excited about the idea. As I had discussions with other, with my other neighbors from Brooklyn, uh, specifically from McCarran Gathering, you probably heard in the last podcast, the bonus episode, where I spoke with Vanessa, and she uh, spoke about the her own spiritual journey and our own spiritual journey, and uh, Vanessa. Uh, also led me on the path of accepting love. Don't shut down the love. It's what got me to New York. Pride was in the way for a long time, but I decided that a neighbor that offered me her points to get me to New York, because I haven't seen my hometown city in over a year, by far the longest I've been away from New York, and she said that, Trevor, if ever you want to come back, I got points that I can give you. But we all kind of fall into this narrative that we have to be self-sufficient and independent and not rely on community, not be a burden on community. So I bought into that narrative, and I didn't accept her gift. As I went on my spiritual journey, I said, Drop the pride, Trevor. It's not about you. It's about something higher, something a greater power. It's something about it's about something that's greater than self. And uh, let me open myself up to the love that's been put out there for me. And I told G, G, yes, I'll accept your offering, and thank you. And I will see you in New York. So Vanessa kind of. Uh, we spoke about that, and she really pointed out how that's being, that's allowing love, the same love that I'm giving out, spread love, free market, after all is our name, the same love that I'm sending out. I have to be open and receptive to it as well. We are all interconnected in this way, and we all have to rely on each other, and accepting that and circulating that is key and important to our own salvation and our own health. So, having further conversations, I had a conversation with another neighbor, and I will not say the neighbors, all of our, moving forward, I'll probably leave out a lot of our neighbors' names, but uh, one neighbor, another neighbor that I spoke to, and I spoke to several on my way up, and I would say most of them were on a spiritual, a spiritual journey that was similar to mine, and uh, this neighbor uh, told me about her church, and I said, wow. Is it okay if I come to your church? So I invited myself to two churches. She said yes, but I wasn't sure which church I would go to. So I asked Jesse, who first started this church conversation about attending service, and I asked him, is it okay if this other neighbor comes along with me to your church and we could just make it a... McCarran gathering church day and JC said yes the more the merrier so now there are three of us that are slated to attend church service on our trip up to New York accepting this gift to arrive to New York City not being employed working for community but not having any money uh, for when I arrived in New York, I was having doubts. Should I go? Should I cancel? Should I delay? Because I have no way to get around. I have no place to stay. But in my spiritual journey, the journey that also includes a weekly, four days a week, weekly scripture, reading through the Bible with my family, I was really challenged to put my faith in the higher power, a higher power. Some may call Yahweh, some may call Muhammad, some may call 
God. Put your faith in the higher power and life will reveal its answers to you. So I said, you know what? For this trip to New York, instead of stressing out like I usually do, I'm going to put my faith in that everything will be taken care of. For this trip, if only for this trip, if I have these doubts, and I, there were, and there are many, I said, put them aside. Let's see what happens. Try this. What do I have to lose? Well, get stranded in New York, for one, I guess. But let's try. Yeah, the stakes are even higher, so let's see what happens with you risking and not being able to eat, not being able to get around, not having a place to stay. So I said, okay, I'll do it. As I made the decision to have faith, I get a text from a neighbor in New York who says she's going out of town. She's going to do a job. Trevor, what time are you coming to New York? And when I shared the time, she shared with me that her apartment will be available. She will not be there. You are welcome to stay. And I stayed at this apartment already been blessed twice so I knew the apartment I loved the neighbor and I was saying wow that's one sign of faith providing its blessings to me through community so okay great so here I go I'm off I have a place to stay no need to stress over that now, how do I get around? I have 20-something dollars in my pocket. So I got on the plane, arrived in New York, bought a, not a weekly pass, which cost $33. I should actually correct that. The weekly pass is $33. So I just bought a one-way ticket into Manhattan, take it day by day, into Brooklyn, sorry, day by day. And if, if I need to get around the next day, either I will walk or something will fall into place. So fast forward another day. To s I arrived on Thursday, Friday, kind of settled in and got my schedule and agenda in order. And Saturday was the first day of the activist lounge. And um, we bought our food courtesy of the Open Collective uh, donations, bought our food for the neighbors at McCarran Park, uh, met Jesse. Uh, we arrived at the park. Uh, he provided food, and he provided his clothing, and we um, had our other neighbors join us, and we had a wonderful, beautiful conversation about many things. Uh, but the main topic was religion, spirituality, and the role that religion plays in the black community. And... Um, this conversation in and of itself was transcendent, uh, but something else happened there that I would like to share. During this conversation, I revealed to my neighbors that on that Saturday, earlier that day on Saturday, that I had a revelation, a spiritual awakening that transcended me. And what I shared with that group is as followed. I realized that if I'm going to have, I thought to myself that if I'm going to be blindly faithful, because I was having doubts, you have them every day. If I'm going to be blindly faithful on this journey, that I need to have a foundation, a starting point in which I can move forward and just have something to be faithful in. So at the apartment of the neighbor where I was staying, I said, I need to look at the Ten Commandments and start there. How about we start at the Ten Commandments? And I went directly to the Fourth Commandment. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all of thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath which the Lord thy God hallowed. In it thou shalt not do any work, nor thy father, nor thy son, nor thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy stranger that enters within thy gates. For in six days God created the heaven and the earth, the sea and all therein, therein, lies, therein 
lies. And God blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. I'm going from memory, so if I forgot something, please forgive me. And if you want to know why I know this so well, our background is I was raised religious. I was Seventh-day Adventist, and I uh, remember these because we had to recite them over and over and over again. So I said, okay, there's a foundation. Today was Saturday, the first day of the activist lounge. I said, okay, I'm going to go blindly the Sabbath Seventh day is the day we are to keep holy. Oh, but we have the activist lounge today, so I have my playlist of secular music planned, so if I'm going to be blindly faithful, I'm going to have to be blindly faithful, and I'm going to make this Saturday a holy day. And uh, as a youth, I know how to have a holy day. I know what to do. I know that we don't play secular music. I know that we don't watch TV. We praise the Lord, and we have uh, the music and the discussions all about religion. and But remember, I'm starting again. I want to make these decisions based on faith, based on what I read, not only based on what I've learned or what I know or through somebody else's eyes. So based on what I read on this day, on a Bible that I found in my neighbor's apartment, I decided I am going to return to the religion of my youth that I stopped at the age of 21 in order to pursue secular passions. And I'm going to be Seventh-day Adventist, and we're going to change the playlist for the Activist Lounge, and it's going to be my Back to Church playlist that I've been using at the free market here in Spring Hill, Florida. And that's it, and I'm going to announce it, and I'm going to share it with the group as to why we are playing gospel music at this event. But back to the revelation. I'm there at home. I'm having this revelation that I'm now Seventh-day Adventist again. After 30-plus years, at 21, I stopped. I am now 53. 30-plus, 30 32 years of being a agnostic, believing in a higher power. You call it what you might, but this is different. Now I am believing in God. I am going to hold this day holy, which I spent most of my life not doing. 21, doing, to 53, not doing. So I kind of felt, okay, this feels like I'm doing something. This is not just talk. This is action. So Usually in our church, when we come to a certain stage in our beliefs, we have a ritual that you may all be familiar with called baptism. And I don't know the meaning as an adult, what it meant, but I know my memory of it is that it's a, signif a symbol and a, a signal to the world that you have changed your belief and that you are dedicated so here, here I am reconverted, rededicating my life to Christ and to this holy day. And I said, okay, how do I mark this? How do I let the world know and signify to the world? What do I need to do? I was baptized by water, so what do I do now? I need to have another thing. I don't think baptism by water is appropriate for some reason, but I need something else. And I thought, whoa, do you guys remember the book that I shared with you? The books that I shared with you a few episodes back, my journals in which I started writing at the age of 21, my life, a, basically a compilation of my daily activities from the age of 21 to 40 plus or so. Well. I realized that this is a documentation of my agnostic life. It's a recording of everything that I've believed and done and practiced since the date I have left, since the date I left the church. And I said to myself, you know what, maybe what I need to do is to burn these books, 
a baptism by fire of sorts. But remember this, these books, these books are probably the most valuable thing that I hold possession of. In fact, if there is a fire in the house, I have the books, and you may see them right here, right next to me in a box. And I have them so that they're the one thing that I would grab and run out of the house if it's on fire first, because that's how important they are to me. But here I am contemplating burning them. Now this surely for me would be a gesture of my faith. But the doubts started to grow and grow and grow until I almost convinced myself that no, this is ridiculous, this faith trip is nonsense. What are you doing? You're not going to burn the books in which in which contains memories that you will not remember unless you read them. You're basically burning a 30-year gap, 20 to 30-year gap in your memory bank. But then something happened, and it was nothing short of transcendent. I started to hear a song that was on my gospel playlist that I was playing now, that I know that this is the playlist that I'm going to play at the Activist Lounge. And one of the songs that I had on the playlist of was playing, and I started to pay attention to the words. And then I realized that the words, if anyone should ever write my life story, For whatever reason, they they might see. And I was thinking, wow, he'll be there between the lines, the lines of pain and glory. Listen to the word. Jesus is the best thing that ever happened to me. And I thought, those words are giving me a message. If anyone should ever write my life story for whatever reason they they might see he'll be there between the lines of pain and glory. And Jesus is the best thing that ever happened to me. So that's a sign. If anyone should ever write my life story, for whatever reason there might be, it's not going to be me, and I knew that was a sign that I had to go through the baptism by fire. Burn, baby, burn. And I wept. So after sharing that and sharing how I was given love and how I was open to love and how this journey has allowed me to be more receptive to love and how it got me here and how I had faith and how I didn't know how I was going to get around the next day. Another neighbor shared with me that, hey, Trevor, do you need a ride to get around? I could lend you my car, a neighbor that I love. And I hesitated and I said, I said, I can't do that. I can't. It's too much. No. What if something happens? What if I get in an accident or a car gets stolen? And immediately my other neighbors said, Trevor, what did you just tell us? And I said, yes. Yes, I will accept your offer of love. And we all laughed. And it was beautiful. 
So we also shared with this neighbor that we were going to church the next day. And now that I had this ride, I asked my neighbor, would you like to attend service with Jesse and the other neighbor? And this fourth neighbor said, nah, this, you know, church, the institution is not for me. Um, but he asked me, what's the name of the church? But I didn't know. So he asked Jesse, what's the name of the church? And Jesse didn't, couldn't remember at the time either. So then he asked Jesse, what's the address of the church? And Jesse shared with him 1139 Bushwick Avenue. <laughs> and the neighbor paused and he said, hmm, okay, I have to check something. Uh, I don't know if I'll make it, but uh, if, if this is the same church I'm thinking about, I'll be there. And the, as we were departing that activist lounge in which we shared food, we shared um, fruit, we shared vegetables, and also big shout out to uh, big shout out to Lonely Worm Farm. Big shout out to Lonely Worm Farm for sharing their produce from the farm upstate New York. We shared those. We were all distributed to our neighbors at North Brook in North Brooklyn. So shout them out. Support them if you can. Uh, so as we were departing, our neighbor came to me and, Trevor, the thing I have to check, the thing I want to find out, the reason why I want to know the name of the church is because I want to find out if that was the same church that had the funeral services for my mother. If it is, maybe it's a sign. Maybe she's calling me something to that effect. I may be paraphrasing a bit, so excuse me if I'm off. So I said, <laughs> wow, okay, no way, that's true, but okay, maybe I'll see you tomorrow. To maybe I'll see you tomorrow. So we departed. Thank you for the car, and I have a way to get to service. I, had, I uh, called it a night. Morning came, and I thought about what this neighbor said, and I thought about the signs that I have been getting, and there are many that I am not mentioning here, but I thought about it, and I thought, what are the chances that this neighbor is receiving the same signals from the same God, the same deity that I am receiving signals from? And I thought, the way, the, tr the path that I'm on these are the type of signals I'm getting, but this is not my journey. This is his journey and his signal. So what are the chances? So let me go to church. If he's there, then, then wow, speechless. So we went to church. Pastor Owen was there. Wonderful sermon. And, um, it came to the point when he asked us all to introduce ourselves, which is common practice in church. The visitors introduce yourself. And our first neighbor, Jesse, stood up, introduced himself, turned to the audience and told him that he hasn't been there for a while, but he's back and he's happy to be back. Jesse now lives in Newburgh, New York. Then our second neighbor stood up, introduced herself. Then it was my turn. I stood up, introduced myself. As I turned to address the audience, to introduce myself, I turned and there he was, our neighbor. And immediately I knew that this was the church that held the services for his mother. And I literally, literally stopped in my tracks and the pastor asked what's wrong actually and I and I said to the pastor this is also a neighbor of ours and he said that he will come here if he got a sign so I think that's why he's here but I will let him share the story and this neighbor spoke and he shared the story of why he came and how it was a place that held this funeral services for his mother and we all applauded and cheered and Praise the Lord. But before I end this segment, I would like to share part of what 
Pastor Owen shared with us. It's a psalm, and this sermon, by the way, I hope you all attend. It's the Restoration Worship Temple, 1139 Bushwick Avenue. And it was an incredible, incredible sermon, which was very interactive, asking questions very similar to what we did at our own gathering of activists. But the pastor shared something with us, which ironically is printed. And if you see up there, there it is. It's Psalm 127, and it's dated July 5th, 2023. July 5th just happens to be my birthday. And so the signs just keep coming, and this is how it's been for the past few weeks, just signs upon signs of what we may call coincidence, but I now accept on faith that these are signals from a higher power. So I will read the vanity of human endeavors without God's blessing. Children are his gifts, laboring and prospering without the Lord. This particular psalm is a wisdom psalm. It is an exhortation about vanity of an endeavor in which the Lord is not active, a celebration of the value of an endeavor in which the Lord is glorified. 127, 1-2, with the words, unless the Lord builds. The psalmist asserts that life lived apart from God is not worth living, a view that this psalm shares with the book of Ecclesiastes. Even building a house is useless if the Lord is not in the process. The phrase sorrows captures the essence of those removed from a sense of the Lord in their lives. The food that should give them strength for life and a zest for living only maintains them in their miserable state. 127, 3 to 5. Children are a heritage. Children are God's gifts. Like arrows, in ancient times, having many children was regarded as a symbol of strength. This was particularly true in an ag agricultural economy since extra hands of children increased the productivity of the farmer. A full quiver was a mark of God's blessing. The blessing of a home in ancient times gives a person a, a, person a measure of pride in the community. The gate was a place where the elders of the city met and where the citizens would convene. Remember to include the Lord Jesus Christ in every decision of our lives. Don't consult him after the fact. Practice the power of inclusion that concerns the Lord. Amen. And um, I'll actually find, I'd like to end this segment actually with a reading from the journal, the first page, just to kind of show you where I divulged my path and how on the first page it really tells, and this may be the last reading I do of this book, I decided not to reread it or not to look into it because I know there are many, many memories in these journals that are scheduled to be burned, baptism by fire, but I would like to read the first chapter because there are many bad things in this book. It's tales of, not tales, there's documentation of my agnostic life of partying, of drinking, of fornication, of all of these things that really you think bring you pleasure, but in the end leave you empty. So on the first page, dated November 19th, 1991, which was a Tuesday, I wrote, the quest is on the goal to play pro football. Since this is the first page of my journal, I will now backtrack to where I believe the rest of my life began. As well as I remember, it all came to me suddenly like a thief in the night. And what it was, was the realization of what I wanted to do with my life. Finally, exclamation point, I want to play pro football. I had this thought when I was a child, but it was unrealistic, mainly because 
my former religion prevented me from playing. But now I'm free to chase. Hope to get in hope to get on a pro team through Brooklyn College football. But that fell through. So semi pro seemed the next like the next logical step. So here I am, Kings County Chiefs. I gave the New York, New Jersey Knights a call and told them I wanted to try out. They said Charts was open to public, open to the public, and to send them a resume, which I did last Monday. No response yet. Anyway, uh, blah, blah, blah. Goes, that first page was the important page. And the fact that I say it right here, that suddenly, like a thief in the night, it was the realization of what I wanted to do, to do with the rest of my life finally and how i addressed the religion topic that i left at 21 i stopped being religious to be to pursue a passion of mine and how in this reading on july 5th uh 2023 from pastor owen laughman it talks about the vanity of human endeavors without god's blessing children are his gifts and um this is just one of the series of signs that I've received on this trip and just one of the many signs I received. This is the one I share because it's pertinent to what it is that we are planning to do with uh, the church. The others I may share in future episodes. So moving on to the actual meat of this broadcast, and I know that probably took a long time. Maybe we will break this up into two episodes or maybe we'll just have it as one. But what I would like to share is the focus of this episode, which is our recap, which is the antiques on Bushwick. So after that service, after that wonderful service in which we dialogued and interacted, and there were many questions that I had, a few questions, key questions that I have, that I had that were answered, such as, uh, do we need to be in the institution, the actual institution of church to be, I guess, right in the eyes of the Lord was one of the questions that, were, that I asked and was answered. And um, among others. But after that service, um, me and the second neighbor who accepted my invitation, uh, we decided to take a walk over to a thrift store and this thrift store was owned by the church, by Restoration Worship Temple. And I had previously reached out, previously reached out to Owen, Pastor Owen, about using that space for the activist lounge, which we held instead at McCarran Park. But I didn't close it off because I knew that I may want to return and that this is in a more ideal location and we took a trip. It, the thrift store was a block away across the street. And we entered and we were met with a wonderful soundtrack of old tunes with cavernous ceilings in which the music echoed and bounced back and filled the air with love. So I want to share an article about this church because we have decided to do a the next activist lounge at this church, offering their books, offering their clothing through our open collective, having our community support this church because they need support. And I will share an article, a beautiful article written uh, by the BK Reader and um Hopefully, you can support us after reading this article and seeing the photos and seeing the pictures. And um, yeah, once we're at the end of this article, I'll come back and uh, we could talk about how you can participate or help or do what you can to support this gem, this gem in Bushwick. <clears throat> so the article. Can Antiques and Curiosities Save This Grand Old Brooklyn Church? By Jesse Edwards of The BK Reader, October 2021. 
enormous arched windows, a seemingly undiscovered rabbit warren of treasures, a pass to up a ladder, and peaks of the sky through a patchy church roof. The church-run thrift store, Antiques on Bushwick at 1170 Bushwick Avenue, just might be one of the most unique second-hand shops in Brooklyn. On a recent Wednesday, as the voice of Nat King Cole boomed through a giant vintage amp, Restoration Worship Temple pastor Owen Lofman was hard at work constructing a new Christmas section at the church's east end. Lofman is drilling something. He's busy, and he doesn't have a lot of time to talk. I'm running in my head. There's so much to get done. It should have been done two weeks ago, he says by way of apology. While the pastor may sometimes come across as gruff, he's got a lot on his plate. Plus, he's part of the charm of the place. The building is falling apart, so we have to find ways to raise money. Loftman says, the place is a mess, as you can see, so every moment is so valuable. Right now, Loftman is busy organizing hundreds of Christmas decorations, nativity figures, wreaths, and Santas of all shapes and sizes so the Christmas shop can open Friday. When he's not doing that, he's driving around New York and interstate to buy the items in bulk at estate sales, assembling and selling them at the store. I'm here eight days a week, working hard. It's all a part of the plan to raise enough money to repair the building so the people of Lofman's Church Restoration Worship Temple can gather in it once again. The temple bought the building in 2013 for its congregants to worship in. But four years ago, services had to move out temporarily as the 19th century church fell into disrepair. Instead of letting the space sit unoccupied, the temple decided to open a thrift store in it in the meantime. Every dollar goes towards the mammoth amount needed to fix the church. We need a half million dollars to fix the roof. We're nowhere near. I'm trusting God. I'm trusting Jesus. The church has a long history. In 1896, as the Bushwick Avenue Congregational Church, later the Bethesda Memorial Baptist Church, it features high clerestory windows and a bell tower. It once had a basement with a bowling alley, and the interior was furnished in oak with the capacity to hold 750 people, Brownstoner reports. Five days before Christmas in 1997, the church, at the time an art-filled sanctuary, according to the New York Times, was gutted by fire. It has since been rebuilt. Outside, there are few signs that the grand old church, with its lovely Romanesque arches, is falling apart. In the grassy front yard is a church letterboard replete with the temple's slogan, The road to spiritual success is always under construction. The sign takes on extra meaning when you go inside and realize you can see glimpses of the sky through the church's building dizzyingly high ceilings. Does it leak? It's like Niagara Falls in here when it rains, Lofman says. As a result, the whole Christmas display is tented in a tarpaulin as it sits flush under one of the biggest areas of damage. As well as fending off leaks, Lofman says he also has to fend off property prospectors. He says developers have tried to come for him, and even the city wants to steal the damn building, he says. This church is behind in taxes, and that's why every sale counts right now. When asked what the community can do to help, Lofman is straight to the point. Lofman may have more experience in the pulpit than in the auction houses, but the store is a thrifter's paradise. Enter the church's opening archway, go through a tangle of webs and hats, and, and you will find, and you'll find yourself among a rambling expanse of furniture, clothing, art, technology from throughout the ages, glassware, and knickknacks. There is no space unused. A potted plant rides a ceramic elephant next to the bust of Caesar.
They have boxes of sunglasses, boxes of shells, boxes of 8-track tapes. On the vintage amp are perched two kitchen mixers. To the left, a wall of printers, fax machines, typewriters, and cassette players. There are four industrial-style chairs upholstered in oak gray leather, $10 each. A wicker basket of assorted bells. To the north, a wall-sized painting of two cherubs is tucked behind a mid-century cabinet displaying porcelain figures, including an 1844 statuette of a British Army captain in perfect condition and a decorative patch with the words, To Mother. And that's just scratching the surface. Lofman says he doesn't have time to research how much items are worth, and he doesn't want to price anything too high in case people don't buy it. Everyone is looking for a deal, and if they find a fortune, they're not going to tell me, he says. However, the church is grateful for every sale. The thrift store is open every day from 10 a.m. to 9 p.m. The Christmas shop opens this Friday, October 22nd. And that, again, is an article, Can Antiques and Curiosities Save This Grand Old Brooklyn Church? by Jesse Edwards of the BK Reader, October 2021. And, um, of course, those dates, I think the times are a little different. I think on Sunday they have shorter um, opening out, shorter hours, so check it out. But what a wonderful place. What a wonderful place. And uh, they need support. And uh, I went back to the church during the week, and I went to Pastor Lofman, and I asked him, is that offer still, because he, he left the offer on the table that we can still set up there. And I asked him, is that offer still open? Uh, he said, yes. And I said, you know what? We're going to sell items in your store on Spread Love Free Market, and the money will go to you. Uh, we will use the Book of Free Things so that people can uh, use the voucher to just come and pick up items. And that's uh, the mission. And we need your support. So if you can, scan the code. If you have, if you can give, if you have something to give, scan the code. Go to our open collective page and support the Book of Free Things because this is what it's all about. It's about local businesses, local organizations, local institutions, and we need your support. You can support the items in this store, help repair the church roof, help support local economies, help support businesses and uh, keep gentrifiers and developers and all of these capitalist agents that harm our communities support local instead support local business uh, we also will be offering and supporting our local uh, groceries and we'll have something in, uh, coming up there soon as well when we come back to New York and um, but we need your help now, I actually want to end with uh, another uh, cool thing that happened uh, while I was in New York. Well, you see, we had, um, we had the Activist Lounge, and the idea was to give away free items. And I was there with Jesse. That's Jesse there on the right. Uh, you remember him from a few episodes back uh, with the collective. I got the hat on. Uh, you can get this free. I don't know if they have any more available, but hopefully we'll have more soon. We have shirts as well. And um, we went to McCarran Park to give clothing and to give food away to our neighbors in need and to raise money. And I kind of knew going in, because I, we both have a lot of experience at McCarran Park, but I think I have more in terms of speaking and engaging the community there uh, than Jesse does. And I kind of knew that in terms of uh, giving stuff away and finding people in need that you don't really find that because it's a more of an exclusive, I won't say exclusive, but it's a higher, definitely on the higher spectrum in terms of economic uh, wealth in North Brooklyn as opposed to other parts of the city. Even if you go a little bit south on Bedford Avenue, you will see a completely different class of uh, neighbors than you would see in North Brooklyn. But we went there because it is our place, it is where we met, it is where we have our gatherings. and. In many ways, we went there because we also wanted to connect, and I wanted to connect, and we went to lounge, and we did that. And we had meaningful meetings, and I had so many meaningful connections there. And over the course of the week, every neighbor that I met to was one 
deep, meaningful conversation after another, and I will never forget it. Thank you, everybody, for coming out. But after the first two days, we didn't really give out much stuff. You know, at the end of the first day, we still had lunches left over. We still had clothing left over. As far as lunches, I had to walk around and give them to people who were, you know, looked like they didn't really need it, but didn't want it to spoil. I put some in the free fridges as well. But Jesse, you know, a handful of shirts were given away, and this was on both days. So Saturday, Sunday, the activist lounge was just over. I felt like, okay, the connectivity was there, but the uh, charity was not. And I had the car that was lent to me by a neighbor, and I had to do the alternate side of the street parking dance. And I said, while I'm waiting for the alternate parking uh, restrictions to uh, lift, why don't I go and do some activism? Because I had found out that at the place I was staying, that was given to me by another neighbor, that there was a park that I was uh, vaguely familiar with, Maria Hernandez Park, in which I've done activism before, and I have uh, did an open mic, and I remember that there were many, many, many neighbors there in need. And I said, Jesse, Jesse wasn't too far, and I said, Jesse, why don't you meet me at 8 o'clock at Maria Hernandez Park, and let's, you know, let's get on the mic and see what happens. This is not planned. It's kind of impromptu, but let's do it. So Jesse and I met, and I got on the mic, and I was appealing to our neighbors to support the neighbors that you are walking by in need that you will normally or may normally not pay attention to, pay attention to them and let's support them through the book of free things and give what you can. As little as $5 a month can go a long way. And I was doing my thing and Jesse was there and I was telling him, we got free shirts if you need clothing, if you need new clothing, we got free hats. Just come on over, you can hear my voice, just follow the sound of my voice. I had the gospel music playing. It was a wonderful, beautiful, uh, spiritual kind of morning. And... Uh, people started to come o over, uh, neighbors in need. The park is filled with them. And first one came. He said, free, free, yes. And he wrote it on the box. And two came. And three came. And you can see the box there. And four came. And then they started going back and calling their friends. And more people started coming and taking shirts and holding up shirts and taking flyers. And within 20 minutes, 20, 30 minutes tops, all of the shirts were gone. And I had my flyers still. I didn't give too many of them away. I had 100 of them, and I gave maybe 20 of them up to that point. And pretty soon, most of the flyers were gone. The flyers were promoting support for the Book of Free Things. But I guess one of the neighbors who got a flyer, I gave it to a neighbor in need. And I will never forget this ex encounter that I had. I met a neighbor seemed like she was, uh, well, she was definitely Hispanic and it seemed like she was definitely in need. And she came to me holding the book. And I don't know if I have a copy here. Yes, here it is. And she came to me holding the book of free things. And she reached out and said, I'm hungry. Do you have something for me to eat? And we had spent all the money on the previous two days at McCarran and were only left with the flies. And I had to tell her, no, I don't have uh, anything. This is for another day. Uh, but come back, hopefully we'll have something another day. And she smiled, smiled at me, looked at me and said, thank you for doing this. And I asked her, what is your name? And she said, I'm Maria. I said, I'm Trevor. Nice to meet you. We're going to do all we can to make sure that you don't go hungry. And um, she introduced herself to Jesse as well. And um, we gave stuff away, but we didn't fulfill her need and many of our neighbors' needs. Uh, but we know that we found a place that where people needed support. And we parted ways. We did our thing. We came to Brooklyn, and we found a place in which we can engage, maybe the next time. Uh, and I went on with my day and um, continued with my incredible encounters and 
seeing my old city, going to my old neighborhood, meeting my old friends. And um, as I went back to the apartment that was uh, donated to me by a neighbor, I slept and I woke up the next day and I got to thinking about Maria. After the adrenaline of the day and the uh, quiet of the night and the stillness of the morning, I couldn't get Maria out of my mind and how her, in her need, how she was more gracious than the neighbors who would walk by her and me from another place, another town, well off, moving to Brooklyn, a place where spread love, it's a Brooklyn ways, the anthem of a notorious rapper, B.I.G., and you would come and not be a part of the community and how angry I was that there was Maria and there is another neighbor going to a yoga class or with their head buried in their phone and how I couldn't get just $10 from that neighbor walking by me, uh, $10 for the other neighbor and how we've normalized greed, um, apathy, and I couldn't help. I was overcome with anger, something that doesn't happen to me often because I know it's a long battle and a long fight, and we have to realize that not everybody's there where you are now. I'm not even there where I am then, always, but I couldn't help myself, and I broke down, and I cried, and I thought about, then I thought about the name Maria, Maria, with the religious implications, the park, Maria Hernandez. I'm like, wow, is this another sign? Do I have to do more? And I was supposed to return the speakers that day that I used for my activism in the street, and I reached out to the other neighbor who lent the, the speakers, and neighbors were doing everything. Neighbors helped us print the book. Thank you, neighbor, for printing 100 copies of this. But I reached out to the neighbor and I said, I need the speaker for a couple more days because my work is unfinished here and I need to come back to this park tomorrow and try to get as much as I can for the neighbors there. And I made an appeal to family, to friends, on the platforms that I still engage in. Engage in and it came across as angry and it came across as maybe not understanding of others maybe doing their fight in other places. We've had this discussion many times at McCarran. But it was there and I put it out there. And I said, can you give another $5? Can you, $5 a month, you can't find another $5 to help the Marias of the world. And it really got me angry. And I put it out there and I told the rest of my neighbors that I haven't seen, but wanted to see, and I was going to travel across the city to see them. I said, no, come and meet me here in this park tomorrow where you can see the Murrays of this world and hear about what it is I'm doing. And maybe that will be a seed that's planted that will grow into helping the Murrays of the world, into helping the Owen Lofmans of the world, into helping all of our neighbors who don't have the same things we have. I told my neighbors, I'm here. I came to New York on faith, $25 in my pocket. And I found a way. So I'm not worried about me. So I know you with your iPhone and you with your yoga mat, that you can do more. My dad always said to me, give, 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 give until it hurts. And that's the message I want to get across to you and to you, my neighbor. Give, 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 give until it hurts. So I hope that seed is planted, and I hope that you can find it in your heart to go to spreadlovefreemarket.com to hit the activation link. And if you can, to give $5, become a member. The members are what helps, so I don't... And you can put it on automatic. You ask yourself, you may ask yourself, what can I do to change the, the economic of the divide, the injustice. What can I do? I can't do anything. Am I going to go and give you $5 now? How am I going to find you next month? But no, just put it on membership. That's the best way to do it. Activate the membership. Activate the book of free things so that the Marias of this world 
can give this to Maria as a voucher. She could go into any shop. It's in-person access to the same goods that you and I have. Pantries are good, but would you eat from a pantry? Clothing is good, but would you shop at a place that's given away clothes? The free fridges and the free stores are good, but do you eat from there? Why can't the Maries of this world eat at the same gourmet restaurants that you eat? Why can't she shop at the same cool vintage shops that you shop at? There should not be a divide in class between those that have and those that haven't. If there is, it's because we have not reevaluated how we define, distribute, and exchange value, and that's what we are here for. So neighbors, if you can, head on over to spreadlovefreemarket.com or scan the code on the page right now and do your level best to support economic justice, sustainability. And you may ask, how is this sustained? How is this not charity? How is this any different? It is because this, once we have the attention of donors like you, we can reach out to local businesses and have them advertise, sponsor, become a sponsor on the Book of Free Things. And we ask you to unite as a shop and support these sponsors. And that's a sustainable model. So, neighbors, I um, will wrap it up here. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been a wonderful trip to New York. I really didn't touch on so many of the things that I experienced. The Museum of Urban Renewal was a highlight. Uh, my walk in Bushwick with another neighbor was a highlight. My talk in the park with so many of my neighbors, my visit to my old friends in my old neighborhood that I haven't seen in decades, haven't talked to in decades, was another valuable experience. My last day with the neighbor who lent me the car, speaking for hours, looking at their remodeling that they are doing with their home. It was all a blessed, blessed, blessed experience, and I really will treasure the memories for the remainder of my days. And I want to thank all of my neighbors for showing that community works. I don't have a job. I have $25 in my bank account, but I'm happy, and I have the confidence that if I need to come down, if I need to go anywhere, anywhere, that I will find a community to support me. If I need to do anything, I will find the community to support me. So I want to end up with a song, with the song that I shared earlier, a rendition of it that I heard from the um, from Elder Goldwire McClendon. McClendon. And um, instead of ending with a tension, which we've been ending it with the last few weeks, I want to end with this because it really means something to me. And now that you know why, maybe you can listen to it with the same context that uh, touched me. So once again, my name is Trev. Spread love free market, support community, support economic justice. And thank you for joining us. And I'll see you again next time. I've had my share of lives ups and downs. God's been good to me.